Hey, welcome back to STS. This is a show about the world of parkour. The three of us have been practicing parkour for a long time. We own businesses. We've learned a lot of lessons over the years, and we hope that we're able to provide you with an insight that you wouldn't get anywhere else. In today's episode, we talk about the SPL2 European qualifier at HAL5 in Leuven, Belgium, which where we are right now. And we also talked about the upcoming release of Kings of the Concrete. If you enjoy these talks and you want to help us out, you could please share this video with one of your friends. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Drop us a comment for the algorithm. Give us a, what is it, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So after this episode, we're gonna, I'm going to need to take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> Are you feeling that? Oh, you've been up for a while. <laughs> you've been up for a while. It's, uh, it's been rough. What's good is last night when we were at the fry shop, what I was dreaming about, daydreaming about my sleep, because I knew what was going to happen, it all worked out perfectly last night. I was like, I know I'm going to wake up at like midnight or one, and I just need to get ready to go back to bed. <laughs> I need to like prime myself, and it worked. Woke up at one. Yeah, it's weird how like like when I've been waking up, I've felt more refreshed than ever before. And it's like I'm so awake right now. But then <laughs> but then that's the problem is I can't go back to sleep. I'm not like groggy awake, like uh I'm tired. Uh, I can just take a nap again, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it's like you're waking up when you actually need to wake up, not like yeah. because of an alarm or a time. Yeah. yeah, Tom, we like we switched places, uh, sleep wise. Cause that was me yesterday and I think, I think it was like 5 AM and I was like, I'm awake. It's very dark, but I feel great. Well, I should get up. Oh, nice. I got up. I got up early. Cool. You, so you woke up. <laughs> no, but see, we were in similar positions. You woke up maybe a, like a, a little bit before me, like maybe an hour before me mm-hmm. yesterday, but I still woke up absurdly early yesterday <laughs> yeah. and was just like, cool. I'm like awake now. Um, but not cool because I was like, I need to force myself to stay in bed right now to try to like get a little bit more rest. The funniest part this morning was when, cause, uh, I think I woke up cause I heard you tossing and, and then I, I looked over and then you finally seemingly just, just decided like you're going to be up and I'd see you like, like sitting up. And so I was like, Hey Tom. <laughs> 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 and, and then we just both hear Dylan obviously asleep still <laughs> down from from uh, our situation just enjoying the yeah. most <laughs> the most delicious sleep <laughs> just sucking it all in <laughs> oh yeah rem me up baby <laughs> we almost oh, got so like jealous a, we almost have like a bunk bed situation up there it's kind of like it's like an l shape though Are sleeping, sleeping quarters head to head no, no we're like no, foot no. to foot we're foot to foot <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, hey, Tom. <laughs> I wouldn't enjoy that at all. So yeah, so we're all jet lagged, and we uh, are definitely gonna enjoy this crumble here. Give me some crumble. Oh, yeah, I'll oh. take that one. Delicious. I do want to try microwaving these bad boys. Let's do it. I think we'll be on track tomorrow. 
I think the hard part for you is going to be staying up late enough tonight. Well, if I take like a, a little a little nap or a yoga nidra or something after this podcast, I'll be ready to go. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. It was like waking up early is fine, but the fact that the weekend we're probably going to be up till like midnight is like, and we have to be like on. Mm-hmm. That that's what I'm worried about. Is like I can't be like, okay, I'm I'm dead here. It's not well, well, we still have like another day mm-hmm. to reset. So hopefully that'll work. Today today's a true test. See how we do. <laughs> so there's no context yet. So like, why are we talking about sleep? <laughs> Isn't this not obvious? No, it's not obvious. <laughs> It might be obvious for some. You're breaking. Some our, you're breaking the wall. Yeah. <clears throat> wall breaker. Yeah, but I mean, at some point, we need to talk to the people <laughs> who we're talking to. <laughs> Can't just enjoy this conversation by ourselves. Do you guys? Do you guys cut out? What do you mean? Do you chop out? Do you edit the podcast? He doesn't listen. No. He doesn't watch our podcast. No. No. I don't watch sometimes. I don't believe. I talk to you guys so frequently that I'm like, dude, should I sit here for an hour and listen to them and then most likely get on a video call with them? (laughs) (laughs) The same way for another hour. (laughs) I don't. I don't believe in uh, cutting these up. Because if anything, like we'd be if if I had the tools, we would just be going live all the time. Which we might actually do. I think I actually do technically have the the tools now to make that happen. Might be an easier way. Save some time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I always like see like, uh, particularly in parkour, when people record a podcast and they put like on their story recording podcast, and it's like a week later mm-hmm. comes up. I'm like, yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's not current anymore. Speaking of current, <laughs> where are we? Tell the people. <laughs> now, all of a sudden. Now, now okay. <laughs> it's like I, bring, I try to bring it up, and then you guys are like, oh, you guys are you're breaking the wall, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to introduce it when I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend, we got the SPL2 qualifier, our first ever European qualifier here in Belgium. Leuven. 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 Ah, jinx. We're Leuven it. <laughs> Still haven't been to McDonald's yet, though. Today. Maybe but today's uh, yeah. load up. They had the, uh, it was like a chicken and onion burger that I want to try. Yeah, they call it the, the CBO. Is it <laughs> the, the C- yeah, yeah. COB. What's the B? Burger? Chicken burger, I think. Chicken burger onion. There was hmm. some there was some acronym they were using. Hmm. I'm into it, though. Where did you guys see this? I didn't see this yet. At McDonald's. Yeah. Like, on the on the window or something? They had the shopkeeper outside with, like, samples and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed this part. <laughs> it's a small operation here. It's still an upstart. I have to say, I'm really enjoying Leuven so far. Um, it's a really cool little cute city it or town. Fun. I don't know. Yeah, it's nice. It's very walkable and bikeable. Wish we had a bike. Should I looked up bikes. some places. Too. Yeah, how come you didn't get us bikes yet? <laughs> you should. <laughs> You've been talking about bikes for weeks, Tom. I've been <laughs> talking about bikes for weeks. 
I wonder I wonder if people are looking at us like there's like a class system because it seems everybody's on bikes. We're like the only ones <laughs> just walking around somewhere. And so I wonder if like it's like car people are at the top, then you get the bike people, and then you get us, the petties. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird way to frame that. Um, yeah, maybe there is. Maybe there's a class system, and we're just the, the lowest tier. Yeah. Taco sometimes. We're bipeds. <laughs> I didn't I didn't acronize that one. No. <laughs> Nickname it up. Yeah. Well, that is it is already like a little contraction almost. Yeah. But I could have called us the buys. The buys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we start editing. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first episode. Yes, we edit. <laughs> Actually, Dylan, I wanted to ask you, um, so we went to Hell 5 yesterday. It's a very different vibe than any gym I've been to in North America. With the, uh, it's like a barn, it's like a giant barn that, yeah. you, that you roll into. Yeah, I don't know. What, what kind of... Uh, Is it a barn? It's like a warehouse, but it has a lot of sliding doors like a barn does. There's a lot of sliding doors. That's where the barn feeling comes in. And there's a lot of those curtains, those like industrial mm -hmm. plastic curtains you have to walk through. Almost like it's going to like a slaughterhouse. Yeah, I, I really dig it. It's, but it is like uh, something that I don't know if you would be able to, like if this was a building in North America, I feel like so much of it wouldn't be to code. Like they wouldn't allow businesses inside. Yeah, and it's also like there's some really awesome integrations around it. Like right across from Hal 5 is a supermarket or a market or a grocery store or something. And if they did that in North America, they could, but I don't think anyone would go to that grocery store. I feel like you're <laughs> like, why would I go to that one? Why wouldn't I go to this massive industrial complex mm -hmm. of chilled meats? <laughs> and um, it is very cool, though. They have like a pizza, a like fire brick pizza place. In a falafel place, an espresso stop. Espresso and bar. And there's like a, yeah, it's just like a little market. It seems like everywhere that sells coffee or also sells liquor. It's like, it's, oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, just, yeah. Here's your, here's your. It's a bar. Yeah. A coffee bar slash alcohol bar. Yeah, I get such a, like a clubhouse vibe when you, when we, when you walk into, into like the How Five. And it's, I almost got, like, I had a similar feeling with, but but quite different, like breathe. Par the, only, the most similar space I've been to is breathe parkour mm. in in Calgary because that's in like a sports complex and there's also food and stuff. But just yeah, like the the barn feeling, the brick, um, just everything. I don't know. It's uh, it's really cool. And I wish I wish we could. I wish we could have buildings like that where you, where it would be zoned and you would you be know, able to lease something it, it reminds me it's like a community center space mm -hmm. you know yeah. it's like a place for people to gather and like do various things but there's also like no general employees walking around it's like someone leases a space out and then they're all kind of take care of and operate the section like there's no one walking around with like i just work here as at hal five and i'm like making sure people aren't doing anything at least i haven't seen so far which is cool. Yeah. So it's like everyone just has personal responsibility over their space and they can... Yeah, it feels like a totally different way of when like you can... operating uh, like an, an organization. Yeah. 
I wanted to ask you guys something about the, uh, I'll give you a little true or false about the gym build. Uh, true or false, not designed for freestyle. True that it's not designed for it. Where other gyms have really like large open structure platformy type of things. Like there's no setup if you wanted to like work on like a run up off of a height. But it definitely works better for like taking something, some sort of freestyle run that would work outdoors and being able to replicate replicate that inside. Where you kind of have like gym movement inside where it's like, cool, where are you going to find this huge platform to this drop to this bar? Where here it's like, I could see this stuff existing outside of bars were a little bit more present. Definitely designed heavily with the concept of structure or obstacle interaction, mm-hmm. which may or may not be like, I don't know, just like how do you define freestyle? Um, well, I think of uh, particularly gyms in America and particularly <laughs> gyms in America on the on the West Coast because you have to have a foam pit almost every time. If you don't have a foam pit, you got a bunch of big resi mats. I did, like I didn't see anything like that. Um, I don't think I like, saw one mat in there. They have mats. They, they have mats, yeah, but yeah. just not. They definitely have mats. Not giant ones. And then also, um, like you said, like the, the platform structures. Um, yeah, it just seems they have so many uh, vaulting height walls and everything. So the, I just get the, and then all the wall features we talked about. Like, it just really seems like a space built more for traditional parkour, as we call it sometimes. Yeah, I think, I mean, I I definitely think that's, like, the primary, like, in, intention of the build mm-hmm. is, the, is to, like, encourage the learning of and the development of traditional parkour. Yeah, you look at Nico and, and Gert's style where... Both of them, like they do flips, they can do flips, but they they have more of like a, a parkour, traditional parkour heavy style to their movement. Yeah. What I found interesting is that, I mean, maybe it was just because they were running a camp and they were working on acrobatics at the time we were in there, mm-hmm. but none of the mats were in the parkour section. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there was no mats underneath bars or anything like that, which kind of to the point of like, is this a gym designed for freestyle? It's like... Like, there's definitely bars for bar tricks. Like, mm-hmm. there's no shortage of bars. But it's like, yeah, like, nobody's working on bar tricks. Yeah, everyone. You know, everybody's wolf. swinging and, and catting or, mm-hmm. or preying on walls. Yeah, yesterday everyone was doing skill, skill challenges. Um, I actually didn't get a good read on, like, who, who was there? Who all was there yesterday? Because I know we had Oliver Thorpe. Uh, who was there for the comp, but were all the other athletes that were training like midday yesterday, were they all there for the competition or some of them like local? Yes, I'm pretty sure that's pretty much everybody there was, is here because of the competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how much of it was just like their training as a community today and how much was it, did they fly in for? Yeah, I think think it was all, all people who were here for the event. It was awesome. It's really cool. Yeah, we have so many, so many people coming out. Uh, this is, yeah, this has been. I think all of us have like been blown away by, by the uh, turnout. Like weeks ago, we found out that we basically were gonna have to put a cap on everything. 
And I'm glad we did because like going to the space, like it's it's big enough, but it's it's not like the biggest gym I've I've been to either. Yeah, this is one of those things. Like Dylan turned to me and said this yesterday, but it was like you know when you see pictures and you see video and it it feels like it's gonna be bigger, and then you walk in and it's like it's oh it's a little bit smaller than like the way it looks on uh, on video. Yeah. Almost every gym that happens to me, with the exception of Origins, because every gym you see with from like usually the perspective of like a like a well framed wide angle shot, and then you get there and you're like, oh, I didn't realize all like this was so close over here when I when I wasn't able to see it in the video. It is it is nice. So I love the height of Hal Five, and there's so much varying height. You know, it's not like clear clean height like Origins, but it has mm. like. It's points where it could totally go up, and I could totally see like some play happening in this those ceiling wood beam. Oh, uh, some of the yeah, so, some of the like um, rafters, I guess. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Like you could like hang and swing on them, and there's definitely like they've included actually. I saw I noticed at least one bar that was mm -hmm. attached to a beam, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh wow, that's like a high up swing, yeah. like <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um, and like I said, there's no, no nobody's putting mats in there. <laughs> Okay, so we got mad people coming out. Uh, we have stacked divisions. We were just talking about it this morning, like how the plan, you know, is to only invite podium athletes, same on the podiums, but there's there's several divisions where it's like you kind of already have in your head who's going to be in the top ten, and you're like, I would take I would take all these people. <laughs> it actually yeah. feels like it feels it doesn't feel like we're doing a qualifier because there's so many athletes that are coming out that have never been to an SPL or an NAPC. And so it feels more like this is actually like a final. Yeah. Well, it's just like when you, when you look at the list of competitors, it's like, wow, each, like every, every, each one of the categories has, is just stacked with people who are, are known or even like some of these unknown beasts that like, <laughs> we're only now just learning about. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, people who we haven't heard of that are probably going to surpass our expectations as well. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's almost sad that we have to like cut out people mm -hmm. um, because, I, you know, I guess a lot of people want to want to try to make it into SPL too. Yeah. <laughs> but not everybody can. It's the nature of competition. Yeah. Uh, I was hope like, we talked about this already, but like I was hoping um hoping to see more Brits. But not a lot of Brits coming out. I don't know if it's hoping to see more, but it's more surprised with how close they are. There aren't more. Mm-hmm. Because we have we've had a lot of British invasion at the finals competitions, but so I think we're expecting, okay, we'll see a good chunk of people come out since yeah i mean that's hop across the pond it's a big part of the reason why you know we turned away from the napc title because it's like if we have all of our first place spots are in some years being filled with uh like 2019 2019 was a all if i'm not mistaken was an all brit uh first place in men's and then that year, we also yeah, had like Elise, yeah. Elise Bickley. She didn't place first, but um, but she was in there for uh, for style for women's. 
Which is uh, actually since the beginning we've had, it was already international. Johan Leroux mm-hmm. participated in the very first event. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's because he was a, a Seattle resident at the time. Still, still pretty <laughs> international. And then, all right, so, and then Zen mm-hmm. One style. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, I don't even remember which one that was. Um, and then the British invasion happened. Brody Pawson. There's like the year that, I mean, people, I mean, yeah, people have been coming from all over. I mean, we had CP came out to try to qualify from Singapore. We had Japanese athletes. We've had, I mean, Camilla at the time when she first competed, she was living in Brazil. Yeah. So do you feel so, like, do you guys feel like this? Cause I, I, someone made this comment to me uh, in the last week that, um, the, the level, so I started listing names of who's coming to this, and they said, oh, this really solidifies it now as, as an international event, whereas I guess they didn't feel like it ever was before. But like now that you're listing off <laughs> those names and, and uh, from, from previous years, it's like, no, nah, this is always, like we, we called it uh, the North American Parkour Championships year one, which actually some people didn't like, and then it just started to roll off the tongue <laughs> and uh NEPC to speak this stuck in people's brains and then we just we just, you know kept it for until um I mean actually we tried to we tried to rename, we tried to rename it before um uh but then we really what is it, what is it dug our heels in the ground with SPL1 last year and we have been trying to make it international for a couple of years but covid kind of put a huge damper on that 2020 we were trying to be overseas a little bit more and cement the international side of it but with everything it was just too hard to figure out where we could go it was you know it was kind of nice with with covid i mean obviously (laughs) obviously it wasn't nice with covid uh, okay (laughs) quotes out of context um it was in a way it's it was kind of a blessing in that it um it forced us to take a few years off and then reinvent ourselves coming back in 2022 to like have a, okay, we're actually rebranding this entirely. It's a different event. We're inviting people, we're inviting athletes. We're turning it into a, um, almost like a, it, almost making it, trying to make it a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, like COVID, like having that break in time allowed us the freedom to, kind of just okay we're gonna come back and start fresh and do things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and now um i think we have more momentum than ever before and more more direction with where we want to take spl than ever before and more more purpose behind our decisions yeah and so absolutely yeah and we kind of <laughs> got out of the whole circuit across just America and ending in Vancouver. We started to compartmentalize a little bit more into being like country by country type of qualifier, um, which is way cooler because then it can actually give people a chance to come in. We don't have to have all of our international athletes go through the battle dome at on site. <laughs> the battle dome? <laughs> yeah, the battle, battle room. room. Battle room. <laughs> yeah, battle room. Um because imagine if all these athletes came out to Battle Room or onto on sites. It's like, yeah, oh no, my do gosh. you want to explain Battle Room to? All right, Battle Room uh, 2019. We had uh, on site 
And we had the idea to do the on-site at Origin Studio, which is an hour-ish away from the main site. And that way, we weren't having to have anyone get extra practice on the actual challenges in the course setup, what, what we were doing at, at Origins. Um, and I think before the comp, we had maybe 15 people per division qualifying. We're like, all right, cool, this will be cool, perfect space for it. And then we show up at Origin Studio, and there's just like this thousand foot line of people outside of the door and we're like oh my god because origin studio is an awesome little gym but it's like a thousand square feet <laughs> like yeah. and so you know speed works okay and style works okay but for the community round of skill we have like 50 people in there all trying to get these challenges done in like this 30 or 45 minute time period and halfway through people just started getting the the beta that they had to like push people out of the way like you couldn't <laughs> wait in turn in line because you were if you did that and you just had to test out the challenge so by the end of it people were just like shoving people out of the way like walls were falling down we had half the people holding up walls to complete challenges because all these huge athletes were slamming into it repetitively over and over and over it was awesome it was it was excellent the energy <laughs> was is unparalleled and okay. the right people got through, so. <laughs> okay, so we got uh, over 40 men competing in, in skill this weekend um, at HAL 5, and so we've broken into two heats. Do you think those two heats are going to be enough, like basically give enough space that it doesn't turn into a battle room type situation? Yeah, I think ultimately you're either going to do the challenge or not, you know, and not having one or two more preps because you had to wait in line, I don't think is going to be deciding whether or not you're you're moving into the next round or not. I think that it's gonna it, the right people are gonna get through. You're getting the challenges or not, and if you're if you're sitting there and you're like I can't train around this many people and I don't want to you know this isn't how I train. It's like well, maybe competition maybe maybe you're not suited for competition yet. You know, you have to be able to put yourself out there and compete against other people. And it's a really cool dynamic because while it's not versing other people in a traditional sense, there is that sense of having to work and compete against other people there. And it's not just you versus the challenge. It's you versus the challenge plus the line and the psychology of everybody else. You know, a challenge you've spent 20 tries on and someone else comes up and flashes it. You're like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> that was easy. Like that's supposed to be easy. <laughs> this is the first round. Like, um, I think it should be fun. I think, I think 20 per, <clears throat> per heat is going to be more than fine. Like it, it, if, I mean, at outrun last year, mm -hmm. we had probably more than 20 in that, in the mm -hmm. one men's heat. That almost felt like a bigger space though. It, I like it's, it's probably the same. Size, five is definitely bigger. Yeah. How five is like the same size as the Origins Mid I get So, but the difference, I guess, at Outrun is there's a bit more like open space. Um, whereas How Five, I don't know, like we still have, like well, we still have we, a lot of challenges to design. And, and yeah, I, just, yeah. I know there's so many like tight areas and like walls to another wall. So, there's a lot of little sections to the gym though. And yeah. I feel like we can have like one or two challenges in each section and it would be, there would, be sufficient space between each mm -hmm. one so people can don't there's not a lot of crossing over mm -hmm. of uh of areas i think it'll be fine there's a lot of different like levels at hal 5 too you know like there are the challenges that are on like the lower vaulting walls and then but there also exists this neck like this hot, above head level 
where you can be up there and operate up top without really needing to be on the ground. Yeah, so that's true. It gets to spread out a little bit more. Okay, so I think this this brings up just like a a question that might be good for for listeners. Uh, so going into this weekend now, what what do you think? Because um, I know we've had like a bit of well, like just normal like travel anxiety and stuff, but it's kind of doubled with like okay, this is our first like big event that we have to deliver on um, that's that's outside of North America. So what do you to like two days out right now? What do you two feel like is going to be like our like the biggest challenge still that we have yet to yet to like get together for not challenges and skill challenge, but but uh, challenge with the event with the organization of the event that we have yet to wrap up. For me, it mm-hmm. is definitely just we we haven't done uh, skill design yet, mm-hmm. and that's like the looming. I mean, Dylan articulated it well earlier today, which was that like, like speed courses, even if they're not like perfectly designed, people will still like enjoy running a speed course style. It's kind of all about what the athletes choose to do in the space and not Mm -hmm. so much the pressure on us to like set up a perfect course or anything like that with skill. All of the enjoyment comes out of the design of each individual skill challenge and it also so, and so so the athlete enjoyment comes from that but also the the outcome of the competition heavily relies on skill being designed perfectly and the um and there's so many of them that we need to design so it's like so it's just a lot of work to you know in terms of the quantity of skill challenges but also in the quality of skill challenges so that we can make sure that people enjoy each challenge and then also there's enough separation between athletes that it we don't result in a 20-way tie <laughs> yeah. and yeah i think really i think related to skill challenges too is we are pretty understood about how people train in north america and to some degree in like the uk but we don't really know how like the community trains here so if everyone here like really trains swings and we set up a swing, that would be maybe hard for someone who dabbles in, in swings in North America, maybe here becomes an easy challenge. And the same thing that happens where we have all these people getting, getting these points and we have big, big ending. So watching some of the community train yesterday was good because it kind of showed where their biases are at. What like mm. they, you know, what, what's the, the thing going around right now, what are they all really good at? What, what can we do to challenge them and scare them? Cause that's a big component about competitions as well. It's like a highlight on your weaknesses because you're doing things that maybe, you know, you wouldn't have done before and now you need to under a time crunch and you need to do it to our standard and not just like, Oh, I tried part of that and I'll come back to this next week. And so making sure they enjoy themselves, it's challenging, but also it, it, really covers all parts of the, their parkour training and you know weird little weird little things and who knows what's been done in half five too and we come up we think we come up with an awesome challenge we're like oh yeah that's been a that's been like a, a, a standard challenge here for yeah i think that's years. gonna happen a lot today. we have our 13 year olds do that <laughs> no i actually this is i mean i'm i'm really grateful to actually be at how five because one thing not only the not only is the gym great? Not only is it super well located that we have athletes coming from literally all over Europe, um, but we also have uh, an asset in Nico, 
and that he knows he's like he told me yesterday he's like i know pretty much everything that's been done in this gym and he also is a really capable athlete who knows where people's levels are at he's trained with lots of different communities he's he's aware of um he's aware of like culturally where the europeans will will sit in terms of how they train and and what they're going to be good at so i'm confident that having him help with our skill design that we're going to walk we're going to go into this event pretty you know well prepared but it's still daunting Mm-hmm. it's still a daunting task to like try to design the perfect skill competition, which um, I feel like sometimes we just get lucky with, but I also have to recognize that we've been doing this for long enough that we, we do understand how to design a good skill competition, but, and we've learned from, from past mistakes. So. Yeah. I, I feel like I have to mention too. Um, I'm not, I don't really feel stressed about this. I'm more excited about it, but I know that Nico and, and Gert are both worried about the number of people coming, like like spectator enjoyment and then being able to view and stuff like that. Um, just based on like kind of the layout and stuff we have, I think if you're if you're coming out and um, you've already bought a ticket to spectate, I think I think you're gonna have a great time. And yeah, I, I think that it's it's actually interesting. The shape of the gym is actually not that different from Origins. Yeah, um, it reminds even me in the exact same spot because you have like their um, not a spring floor, but they have like their floor area, and then they have obstacles that they can move over, and so it forms this L around, which is in the exact orientation that it is um, at origin. So, well, yeah, it's like there, there's that open space where you have like lots of running room, yeah, um, yeah. or just like open space room, so we can fit a lot of. I think, I mean, not a crazy amount of people in there, but mm-hmm. there's there's space for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll be able to. We already, we already kind of, uh, I wonder if we, if we, um, if at the end of this weekend we'll regret that we announced that we were like putting a cap on everything. Like when it's all, when it's all mm. said and done, we'll be like, oh, we could have, could have easily got more people in. That's the component that's also making it feel a little bit more like a finals is because with a lot of the qualifiers, we do have people come out to watch, but it's really about the attendance is more about the athletes trying to qualify through in this one. We have a really good size of competitors, but we also have a huge crowd of just spectators who just want to watch a high-level competition go down. And so like, that's something that we weren't really designing for the same way we do at the finals, where at the finals we are super cognizant of where the audience is, the skill challenge being set up so the audience can see. And, um, and I think Hell 5 is a very viewable gem. Maybe that back section we need to figure out something so they can stand up a little <laughs> bit higher. But um, so that's like another component too. Is like cool. We want to make sure everyone has like a a good show on top of producing the best athletes out. All right. I didn't have any more follow up questions. <clears throat> oh, are we done? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. I. It's 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 the jet lag. It's the. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like this whole episode so far has been like point it's, point made. Oh, what it's next? Uh, it's a brain. On. It's brain lag. I'm feeling good. You feeling good? <laughs> okay, yeah. Every set. Dylan's like, this is your guys' show. Figure it yeah. out. Um, okay. Well, I mean, so I wanted to. I, I'll say I, I have had this on the mind since we well even before we started recording, and I'm just wondering how uh, on the mind. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it is actually like appropriate, um, to talk about, talk about favorites. So 
talk about who you think is, who's coming out and who you think is going to, because, because there are some unknowns and I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by missing. I feel like, I feel like as soon as we name names, we're going to miss names because there are so many. I just want to start with talking about like this in terms of attendance, it's completely surpassed my expectations of, of, of attendance in numbers obviously like we found out that it was essentially going to be sold out um like a month ago mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is crazy to crazy to think about but but not just the attendance but who's coming is wild and just thinking about like where they're coming from mm-hmm. right like and and this kind of this this blew my mind when we were in outrun last year when we basically had a last minute qualifier at Outrun in Colorado, and we had people coming from literally all over mm-hmm. North America to compete. It's like people from like you know Georgia, but people from all from Portland, people from the Massachusetts area, people from California. People, it was just wild to see like that many like people just coming from different areas of the world or the of North America. But <laughs> but we have. We have confirmed athletes from Sweden, Denmark, the Netherlands, Germany, Belgium, obviously, Italy, France, Portugal, the UK, Poland. Like I've named almost like all of like the European countries, like yeah. the Western European countries. And um, and that's just crazy to think that like. Th- like SBL has a big enough, like people are that interested in what we've been doing in North America for the last 10 years. I guess it makes sense. Like it's kind of slowly been building over time, but, um, but it's wild to me that people are coming from all over the place in, in Europe. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, maybe we'll just get a few like athletes here and there. I thought we'd probably have half the attendance that we do that we're going to have. Um, so, uh, without naming any names, (laughs) I can name a name. Well, one thing that we've talked about is with uh, with Ellis <laughs> is with like, well, I think, you know, there's been kind of almost the meme that it's like he'll go out and do these like some of the best style runs ever and get and get robbed. And we've talked about, you know, how they, how those runs would have performed at different years, um, final competitions. And so I'm really excited to see in person if what I'm seeing on video and what I'm getting back from like the podiums of the competitions that he's been at, if if it if it ends up working out the same way and we have a similar discussion happen or if you know i guess it it all it ultimately depends on his and the other athletes performances but it will be just interesting to see something where i've been he's kind of been at the focal point of some of the uh competition controversy it's like how does it actually play out here how does he work with our format and how does he work with the space with the other athletes um so and i think his runs will just be awesome to watch be cool just to see that happen in person yeah, he is. He is definitely the easy name to drop. Yeah, more more just about because it's like it's been competition after competition where I I've personally felt he's been robbed out of out of some podium <laughs> spots, and um, you know it feels more on the formatting fault on that side. So it'd be cool to see him in. Yeah, that's true for so many other athletes though too. Um, with how we've over the years like fleshed out the design for for style comps even we're not doing it this weekend but how we would have like combo round big trick line so and that was kind of like our mission from the start was 
not having it because like Red Bull was always kind of the same with just this long line on the course and you'd watch it and you'd watch like people that you think should win just not perform well on that type of course because it doesn't reflect how they train or how they do parkour. So it's always been kind of our mission to just create create that structure where it actually uh, rewards athletes for doing what they already do, like like doing parkour, uh, training flips and, and standing stuff the way that they, they already do. So, yeah, I, f- I feel the same way about Ellis that I think he he should perform well in in our format and he's the easiest name to drop because he's the one on on instagram all the time doing stuff that only he can do so (laughs) um but we also got like uh you know kevin franzen Mm -hmm. coming out uh he's quite a seasoned competitor himself um we both uh tom and i were both like super impressed by him at kings of the concrete which is how he competes so i'm i'm really i'm actually just the but, way he constructs lines yeah. too. It's yeah, so my point cool there, to watch. There was like a my point there. there was a point, <laughs> point five second pause. <laughs> I got my point in. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> um, better be a good point. I was just generally saying the way he competes, but no, it's like... <laughs> I forgot. We're good. It was a yes and. Yes and. (laughs) um, Okay, that's the end of that conversation. I'm I'm mostly excited, as always, about skill. Skill is always the most fun just because usually when a style athlete competes, they're working within their competency, and speed runs are really fun to watch. But with skill, you're putting people sometimes out of their area of expertise and it's really cool to see people like overcome and when someone like is working on a challenge especially the five the two minute challenge is really awesome to see how people like approach new challenges without practice it ends up being the most exciting because the outcome is very unknown like people are going to finish a speed course people are going to do a style line but who knows what's going to happen in skill it's it's all up in the air until you until you see it so you have like the you're waiting for the foot to drop and it's like okay this person is super anticipated i see them on instagram you know are they an athlete who spends you know 50 60 tries on a challenge to get it looking like that or is it this one-off like that and so it's gonna it's, and it's always my favorite part of the competition yeah oh, i remember what i was saying about franzen go ahead the way he uh finish your so point he, because so the way he competes. i love the way he constructs his lines <laughs> it's great it's so good right style too his clothing style, especially, yeah. works well. Um, he he finishes uh, better, bang. better than anyone I've I've uh, ever seen in competition it's consistently. The, it's the afterbang. Yeah, and still trying not to give away the ending of Kings of the Concrete. Uh, he just he consistently again and again would finish his lines with I said afterbang. Just so much style so that it even these. you almost forget what he did in the line like you just remember mm. that last moment and it's like whoa um he just sells it well yeah, yeah. he sells it well he, he 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 looks so like relaxed and comfortable mm. yeah super cool didn't he uh, it's happening this weekend anyways kings of the concrete but i think he said that his final line that he did he had like no plan for but it didn't look that way at all like i, I remember we I shouldn't remember talk about after. this right now because I, I i mean <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that right now. But we could talk about Kings of the Concrete. Do you want to? Do, do you want to switch gears, or do you want to keep on uh, SPL? Um, we should. We should shift gears. I think we've done quite a bit of talk on SPL. Wait, like uh, I well, said, to, the, to, to to Dylan's point. So, mm. so I cut you off again there. <laughs> He's so elderly. Uh, <laughs> loud cut off. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk now. My turn. I'm done listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't listening to begin with. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brain. Okay, brain lag. Okay. Uh, to Dylan's point about skill, it's actually there's people signed up for skill that you wouldn't have expected to be signed up for skill. Um, not brain, brain leg. You gotta give me. You gotta give me one. Ellis. <laughs> oh, for skill. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we got that alliteration thing going with our with S, our uh, disciplines. There's that three sometimes three S's. Um, I yeah. I know. It's just kind of like it's interesting because I, I I think skill is the most fun to participate in. So I think a lot of times people are really intrigued by trying skill because it's like, you don't have to think about like how you're going to construct your line or, or like there's not the like aggressiveness of speed course running where you, you're like, you feel like oh, I might get injured on this or something like that. If I just go too hard. Um, Speed's a hard one to also pair with something else because running speed runs is inherently just draining. And so you're like, can, I can kind of do really well at speed or I could potentially go into some of these other divisions, but I can't really do both at a high level. It's always what I hear from a lot of athletes. They're like, I really want to do speed, but it's going to kill me and I'm going to have dead legs for <laughs> the skill competition. You know? Can I finish my point? Renee, you have anything to add? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Um... You did, you did say you wanted to move on from SPL, though. I did, yeah. Um, I do. So we could talk about Kings of the Concrete. It's coming up this weekend. We can talk about it. We can talk about the fact that it is happening. I have a question. This weekend. Was it on concrete? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well. Doey said something. Some he, said, he said on scaffolding. But, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a built setup atop of... So concrete. concrete is like the flooring, but there's also like um, like staging set up. So there's like mm -hmm. there's wooden landings and, and mm -hmm. things like that and, and bars. So speaking uh, of the bars, because this, I think, is an important point about Kings of the Concrete being on concrete. They were high. They were high. Yeah, they had. They were really like high. nine plus bars, steel bars over concrete that people had to do their tricks off of, Nine which, which yeah. I, I can understand that you need extra height to get rotation and stuff, but it's also, it's like, okay, the, the bar that uh, Ludi did his uh, giant, giant to like handstand gainer, they're all, at they, SPL were, one, they were all kind of like, yeah, they were at SPL one. The, all the bars were kind of that height and they were like the thick boys too. Is that because of the, was it traditional scaffolding that they used or was no. it like a built? No, they impressively. Uh, they welded it. Yeah. Mm. It was welded in and like they, it was like, I mean, it's literally the loading bay behind Tempest Valley. I'm not allowed to talk about that. Oh man. That's, that can be, that can be a bleep. Bleeper. Out. All right, let's. let's no, I don't, edit, I'm, I'm we're already gonna, editing uh, this episode. No, right? I'm not going to edit this now. 
You gotta get it up. It is funny because it's like the only place that you could plan such a, a competition of such scale like they did in Planet Outdoors is like LA. Because it's like where, where else like will definitely not rain. You know, where, <laughs> where else is it going to be like beautiful, awesome weather to train in? One, I, during practice, one of the athletes definitely got heat stroke. Mm-hmm. So like it was it was brutal. Like where they were practicing, the sun was like on that spot mm. all day. And then it was like right when the competition started, the sun had gone down and it cooled off and it was like, oh, this is perfect now. Yeah. yeah. But like all day they were practicing in like sweltering heat with like, yeah, it was, I'm sure it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine trying to do like SPL outdoors in Vancouver. We never could, you know, never be, you, we could never have the, the ability to plan something outdoors like that and be like, yeah, it will most likely be okay. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Well, you were just telling me the other day that like <laughs> you've never been to Vancouver with bad weather. Yeah, yeah. It's been awesome. Summer. Summer's great. <laughs> yeah, but see, summer's great until the wildfires start and then you're outside breathing in smoke. Or like when we get a crazy heat wave like we did in 2021. The crazy thing about wildfires in uh, Vancouver, though, like or outside of Vancouver, is that's a very recent, like that's like a last 10 years thing. Yeah, that that didn't start until I feel like six years ago. Well, I mean, I can think of my entire childhood and young adult life of it never. So knowing about forest fires happening, um, but never to the extent that they've happened in more recent years and where it's this crazy smog is rolling into town that that never happened. There was, there was one year there was fires up in the PNW that were over in Massachusetts. That's how <laughs> That's crazy, crazy it was. Like it was wow. like smoggy over there. Like we would wake up and like the whole sky was just red, you know, like because of the sun. Yeah. But nothing says apocalypse like red sun. Yeah. <laughs> It was cool, though. It was cool as, like, a novelty to be like, oh, this might happen once every 10 years. But I couldn't imagine having that all the time. It's It's gone to the point where it's happening every summer now, which is... It was crazy because I was actually running an outdoor camp that week, and the smog was killing me. Not even because of breathing in. I was just... It was just, like, my body had to work harder, and, like, 2 o'clock, I, like, had to take a nap. I was, like, completely mm-hmm. dead. So I couldn't imagine, like, that just being outside all... <laughs> You know, all summer, a little bit of smoke. Good thing you gave up smoking cigarettes because here comes forest fire Tom. Because it did start when you kind of moved there, you know. No, no, no. It was I mean, like years after. Coincidence. A few, few years after I moved there. All right, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so, I'll so take the Kings, blame. So we got... Uh, you get burning. So Kings of Concrete uh, finally being released on uh, video on demand. Uh Pre-sale is up, and it's airing on Saturday, which is uh, inconveniently when we're going to be work. Like we got two, we got two ten-hour days ahead of us this in a row this weekend. So, so when do you think we're going to watch? I'm watching during the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. Like, do we know the time it's going to be released? Because I actually, I don't. Like, I'm so out of whack with, like, it's hard for me to, like, know what time it is back in North America. Yeah, so this morning, uh, earlier this morning, Dylan said, or one of you, maybe you said that uh, uh, 
it's pre-sale price and the price is going to go up. Yeah. So, and that made me think, oh, I have to purchase it today. Um, but Dylan's already purchased, so you should know when it's going to I bought it, so should up. you. When's it airing? I don't know. I don't read it. I just bought it. <laughs> Tempest post something. I click buy. That's it. Nice. Um, I don't know when it is. I could look if you guys wanted me to. Yeah, where's your phone? Under the couch where it's supposed to be. <laughs> Heavy ass couch. So this is the part where while we wait, we need to mm. fill the airspace yeah. with talking about other things. Mm. Or continue to talk about the same thing. That's well, actually yeah. probably better. Yeah, usually if we, talk, we don't change the subject. Usually we talk about the same thing. So we're trying to figure out. I, but so I don't think we're going to end up watching this weekend. I think it's going to be a Monday thing. I also um, think so. Uh, next week, uh, this is actually a, a question I need to ask you about uh, because I am. Uh, we're going to be parting ways on Tuesday, and so we could probably do a record of the pod. Post, uh, yeah, post I think event I think Monday. I think up. Monday we'll do we'll do a record, and it would be good if we watched it by then. Because so we, we like to be the first to speak on these type of things, you know. It's airing two p.m. Saturday Eastern time, so here it's eight p.m. Eight p.m. Saturday. Okay. We're so not we going to be done with the event. No, we're not. No, but we're we can watch be, it. We're going to be done at about eight on Saturday. Oh, we could tune in like according, right according after. to my seasoned scheduling. We're gonna be done at eight o'clock. We have a TV here. We got laptops. We could each go into a different section of this house and watch it. <laughs> Don't even <laughs> pretend like you're gonna watch this on a TV. You're gonna watch this on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> what is it if we're all gonna sit down? We can all watch it on my phone. It has a kickstand, like a TV does. Oh, how convenient! <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I'm excited though. The, I was going to mention laptops again. <laughs> the, the trailers look awesome for it. Like in the commentary, sounds really nice. Who who was the commentators? Jeffy. Yeah. And um, Andy so, Day 2.0. It sounded like Andy Day, right? <laughs> like that's what I was wondering. Andy Day. Are you guys talking about Andy Bell? Whatever. Andy Day is the photographer, the parkour photographer. Yeah, it sounded like him. Keel? No. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whoever whoever whatever. did. Like the Red Bull and no, it's you know. he's a he's a professional, so it's Jeffy and a professional. What the fuck's his name? The professional. The professional. <laughs> Leon. It's Leon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't know his name, but I, I at the time, at, like when it first happened, I remember like finding out. Oh, it's like some. It's a professional guy who like is. In the inner circle, not inner circle, in the circle of Tempest. Yeah. I, I do appreciate having like an outside voice within commentary, but. Um, but it ain't nobody better than Joey Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. Joey is the best. He's awesome. It, it is cool just to have an outside perspective because it kind of can help translate a little bit to someone else. It, it has a little bit more appeal than just parkour people watching it. It can it could be shown on. I know because I remember they said that they were trying to originally get this for some sort of streaming service or to episodic or serialize it somehow. See, I, I just I actually kind of disagree with this point. I feel like in no other sport do you have somebody who's not knowledgeable about the sport commentating on the sport. 
maybe not live like this, but you definitely have people who are outside of like the knowledge circle, like talking about it and reporting on it. And so it's like, I understand the, the, to cut you off here, (laughs) (laughs) your belly. I gotta show it. (laughs) I understand. Um, uh, now I lost it. Okay, I understand. I understand from the perspective of like we need to educate the audience, and potentially we're gonna have people who are watching this who aren't in the culture and aware of what's happening. So we need to the knowledge translation needs to happen yeah. here. Uh, but I don't see why you can't have that with people who are actually knowledgeable about parkour. Mm-hmm. And why do you need some muggle talking about it? Maybe not necessarily or asking yeah. the questions about it, right? And I never, I never understood this argument. The one point of agreement I have with this is that if he's a professional, he knows how to do commentary. Yeah. Whereas if it's just people who are in parkour, they they aren't always that competent, mm-hmm. right? And so he knows how to structure commentary. He knows how to talk when you know, um, and like prompt in in you know prompt the other commentator in different ways. So. So I think there's value to it, but I, I still don't, I don't understand the like argument that like, oh, we need somebody outside of parkour. It doesn't make, it doesn't make that much sense to me because in no other sport do you have that. And I'd rather, I'd rather, um, I'd rather construct a parkour product around the like, knowledge translation where it's people who are knowledgeable talking about it and translating it rather than somebody playing the idiot and <laughs> well it's not so much like yeah because they definitely need some sort of like competency around knowing what things are but having someone that's like the color competence or the color commentator that's talking about the actual skills happening but having somebody there that can be talking more about like the athlete themselves and about the competition where the point structure is at and knowing some of those things where a parkour person commentating is going to be so focused on the action and what's actually happening only that maybe the audience is like, what, what are the, where are the points at? Who's winning? Like, how does this go? Those type of things. And, um, and so it does not need to be an outsider or a muggle type person, but those people are going to be a little bit more like, cool. What's the total look of the show versus like, Whoa, what was like that? You know, it's like, where's this person from? How tall are they? Those are the things I look for in a competition commentator. <laughs> I think it's actually something you just you just mentioned one of the words there that I think so there's a lot of people in parkour like crumble more than break. more than yeah I'll take I'll take crumble that want to do commentary like we've been contacted by by people all the time I know even uh, talking to guys like Dom like Dom feels like that's he he mentioned to me at one point like that's the direction he wants to go into you know mm-hmm. basically when he when his body doesn't allow him to do what he's doing anymore. And I I think just so many people that want to do commentary don't understand that there's roles. So you mentioned like color, you have color and you have, you have an analyst and you have play by play. Those are like three roles in in commentary. So if you have a a two person commentary booth, you usually have an analyst and then the other person is doing color and play by play. Color is personality. I'm the personality person. Play, Play by play is like, calling the shots, this is happening, this is happening, a word from our sponsors, this is happening next. And then analyst is, I just know the sport. I just know the sport and I'm the one that you ask, that the 
the play-by-play person will usually, like if we're, if Tom in the middle right now is color, he's just cracking jokes and stuff and having a good time. If I'm play-by-play, I'm telling everybody what's what's happening. And if you're analyst, I'm like, Dylan, can you explain this to everybody right yeah. now? What's going on? And I think what happens a lot with commentary and parkour when you don't have a professional in, so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be kind of middle ground on this right now. <laughs> when you don't have the professional in is you have middle it two, up. two guys cutting each other off and um, <laughs> and trying to and both trying they both try to play analyst. Like even to um, I had to I think I was trying to like coach Doey a bunch like in between days for like SPL one because I was like, hey, tell some jokes. Like because yeah. I think he was trying to play analyst and I'm like, eh, like I you know, to, to fair to him, like he does know about parkour. He does know about the sport. He does know about things, but Joey is a really good analyst. And so I was just kind of wanted like, Hey, let Joey do the analyst part. You just, you know, be, be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like they, they actually worked really well together. It wasn't like by any means like perfect commentary, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of, there was a lot of educating the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, on th- on topics, which I was very happy to, to, to see. And this is how my dad texted me. It was like, mm. oh, they did such a good job of like ma- making it funny and enjoyable for somebody who like doesn't do the sport to like know about it more. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely needs to happen. And it came from people who are actively part of the sport, which I think is important. Um, but I mean, just kind of thinking, t- thinking about um, UFC commentary, mm-hmm. uh, you Obviously, have way more experience watching UFC than I do, um, and I know you're into it recently as well. More recently, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that? The, What's your point, Tom? <laughs> do you think that the commentary improved after Mike Goldberg mm-hmm. left? Okay, so as someone who would watch the sport and and know things. I grew to hate Goldberg because he always said stupid stuff. But I also think that he had fans because oh, another crumble. All right, crumble break. <laughs> you keep get, you keep passing. <laughs> this is episode of SEM brought to you by Crumble. <laughs> crumble. <laughs> you keep passing them to me when I'm like talking. <laughs> Fill your mouth yeah, because I'm mouth. not talking. <laughs> Fill your mouth with this towel. So anyway. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I, I just always, uh, I always hated Goldberg and would get, would get upset and I would post things about it too. I'd be like, oh, it's a stupid thing. I can't believe you said this or whatever. And Joe Rogan always had to like correct him all the time, but he did seem to have a role, but then they replaced him with like John Anik, who's like a really professional play-by-play guy who also knows what's going on, who also does a bit of color. And then they started bringing in UFC, like former UFC fighters to do. to like be Dominic Cruz and yeah, DC. Yeah. yeah, so even like Rogan, I think Rogan holds a spot because he's such a celebrity, but he's probably the weakest like commentator now in their, their whole what I, like, what I like about him is that when someone's wrong about something, I feel like a professional commentator would never bring that up on air, and Rogan will bring it up about how what they just said was wrong <laughs> and, and correct them, and they're like, actually, that's not the... And he, like, he cares more about like the spirit and the authenticity of the sport than he does the image of being a commentator, and he's like, no, <laughs> that's not what that is. 
And I know that because that happened to me last week and that hurts a lot. Like, you know, <laughs> like, like in the McGregor fight, he's like, he's retaining so much energy on the ground here. He's not expending any energy. And Joe was like, I don't know, man. He's getting beat up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I guess my point here is that like these are all knowledgeable people who are in the role of commentator for UFC Mm -hmm. and you know Joe Goldberg he had some great one-liners and like great like personality but he lacked the fundamental understanding of the sport and that's and he I mean he was brought on briefly as a commentator for the NFL I think Mm. And then was like promptly fired because <laughs> he didn't know anything about football. Yeah. So, so this is kind of my point about parkour is like, yes, we need professionalism in the sport, but we also need to make sure we maintain the integrity of having good, uh, knowledgeable people mm-hmm. in that role. Because, because if we have Andy Bell coming in and like, <laughs> a sapien gate. Like, <laughs> Do you remember a sapien gate? I remember all, oh, because when he started calling everything like an Italian job and like, pimp flip. Yeah. <laughs> Another. Yeah. Um, sapien gate sounds like a conspiracy. It does. <laughs> but yeah, so, you, I mean, you guys haven't heard about sapien gate. I, I'm actually, so like the, so the, from the trailer is sent, is the, the commentator that they hired sounds like, sounds good. It sounds good. It sounds like he he has a, he has a good voice for action sport, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they're going for a lot uh, in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that there's he doesn't say like you know dumb stuff, dumb yeah. stuff or unknowledgeable stuff, or like really relays it over to Jeffy because. He's the knowledgeable. It's just one of those things room. that it's like when when the commentary and the audio on something is right, you never really notice it. It's not a huge stand up, but when it's wrong, it will it like brings the whole thing down. It, it, it so I was really happy to hear that it sound it sounded really awesome and it felt like I could put this on in a room and it would it would bring people in and it would like you know um, it'll it, the production value on it all seems incredibly high and I'm very excited to see how it how it all turns out. I'm really excited to see who wins. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's been almost a year since it happened. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, like, what are your thoughts on it finally being released now, Renee? I, I think it would have been. I understand it took like so. I <laughs> negatively started telling people after a couple, like, even right after the event. I was like, this might not ever see the light of day. Because the Tempest games never saw it. Never saw yeah. the light of day. Tempest games. If you don't know, I think we've actually spoken about it on. Oh no, the red light's flashing. What does that mean? I'm gonna have to check in a moment, but I'm gonna keep talking and pretend that it's okay. So the Tempest games, they. Now I'm just really distracted by this red light flashing. But Tempest games happened years ago, and it was an event that Tempest threw on, and they had tons of cameras, they had um, people doing interviews and things like that, and it was a very big production, probably cost over $50,000, and we never saw it, and I thought this could very likely be the exact same thing. And then when I talked to Sydney in the summer, she was like, no, 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 they're, they're working on it. Like, I know, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, who knows why the Tempest games? I think if we ever, maybe next time I, I see Gabe, I'm gonna ask him what happened to Tempest Games, and hopefully it doesn't get mad Tempest at me. Tempest Games more like a combine 
Wasn't the setup? Yeah. 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 So like, so there was two days of it. The first day was literally at a track. Yeah. And the, the track was basically, they brought in like these different obstacles and it was like the furthest um, standing rail precision and the furthest lashay and the furthest Kong into a sand pit mm-hmm. and like the fastest rail run and this like vaulting course and five climb ups for time. And it was like all like measured outputs and then, uh, and you were ranked. And then if you did well enough in the first day, then you were invited into, I think you were invited into the next day, which was a qualifier into the next day, which was speed courses at the Tempest Valley. Awesome. And so, um, I mean, like it was, I would say it was fun to participate in, but it was like <laughs> when we had conversations after the fact and after our initial, um, competition that pre existed NAPC, um, which was us, we had a skill competition that measured outputs, but we had conversations about this is that measuring outputs is like, is cool, but not. It, but it removes an element of what makes parkour parkour. Mm-hmm. And then this was the start of what became the new version of skill, which was putting skills in context in in making it cool again. Right. So it wasn't so like, yeah, it's cool to see somebody lash a, you know, 14 feet to another bar yeah. and grab it. But it's like I can only watch that so many times before I'm just like kind of bored of like watching somebody lash a It's something really that far. I want to see exist in parkour the same way it does in the in the NFL because it's just cool to see these athletes measured against something where you can you can really understand it because sometimes you see like an NFL athlete against a bunch of other NFL athletes and they're all freaks of nature athletes and so it's cool to be like oh cool like that's what it is and world records come out of them and I'm sure that parkour would have like some that came out of like the oddest people eventually. And like to start off like the competition season, that's like a good way to get like a bearing on how much people have improved and where, where things are at. It's like one data point. And so, yeah, it's not like it would it would take over watching something like SPL or Kings of the Concrete, but it would just be like cool to watch like live and be like, oh, the high box jump, you know, like. Yeah, I think something you were alluding to, Tom, about this as well, if you didn't just outright say it just now, but uh, is the you lose complexity. So it's not because that's the, the one kind of point about, OK, not just about output. You said it's kind of it could be still exciting to watch. And I think um, a lot of people that were at the Tempest Games and and part of it, they were thinking it actually was like a, a cool thing. But it's it's just so not parkour at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Because the as soon as you and this is the problem with fig, this is the problem with gymnastics takeover and, and the idea of of courses and setups that are like repeatable and that can make themselves. I understand as a business model, it all makes sense, but it's so not parkour because parkour is about like changing new structure, new challenge, going to how five, dealing with all their like weird things sticking out of walls and, and the bars and stuff and it not being like origins and it not being like a, a another gym that we could go to um parkour is so much about just adapting to different structures and you you don't get that with that tempest games model yeah it's like you know if, if i wanted to to work on my kong output what i would do is i would try to set up the most simple scenario in the gym with mats and see how 
far I can Kong and I would try to like work on my approach and my push and my, you know, my takeoff and everything, and then try to maximize my output without any of the complexity of landing with control, just get a Kong like, and, and work on seeing it if I can apply more and more speed to it. And that's eventually going to translate to more complex scenarios when I take it over. But when I take, when I translate it over to it, but that's, that's not like, that's not parkour. I mean, it's training for like the output so I could eventually do the IMAX concrete or another large concrete that I might be training for. So it's, it's, I think of it in the same way is that it's like, like just demonstrating output is not an, is, is a necessary component for like high level parkour, but it's not sufficient in that it's not like just because I can Kong really far and land on something soft doesn't mean I can Kong really far and land some, on something that's hard and mm-hmm. skinny and um, or like stride off of it and land on something else. That's what makes parkour cool is the complexity. And that's ultimately what was missing from the Tempest Games combine style event was that there was not enough of a complexity scenario to it. It would be cool to do something like at at a competition, almost like a sideshow. It's like, you know, log your standing jump, you know, like those type of things. So it would almost just be a record of like, because it'd also be cool to see does someone who could do like a really large broad jump on the ground, does that translate very well when they put, when you put that same athlete into context, you know? Um, it's just one of those things I think it's just like, it's a cool data point to have. It's fun to see, but it totally doesn't replace. It's not a competition as much as it is like a like a logbook or like a benchmark. You know? Well, it's like I like the idea of like a, a combine. It's kind of a fun idea. It's yeah. like let's let's every year kind of like run a combine with uh, with like pro athletes. Mm-hmm. See how like see how well, well they do on these measured tasks. Mm-hmm. But then they have like the real competition later in the year or something mm-hmm. like that. Well, one of the ideas too that you've talked about before is. Uh, if, if there's enough organization in SPL and we are able to gather information about athletes ahead of time is, is having that as part of their stats. Yeah. Like if, if an athlete is like, oh, next competitor, and it's like height, height, weight, you know, age, everything, and then broad jump, Kong, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lache, and it's just like you just have all these like max stat measurements, that would be kind of interesting. It also yeah, it's like, the, sorry, go on. it's like football players running the 40. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like oh, he's got to, you know, like his 40 is ridiculously fast or whatever, or like he's like exceptionally slow. <laughs> or it's like, have you, like when they do that thing where they like put a ghost of like a con- like one of their like announcers running the 40 over like a lineman, and you're like, oh my god, like they are really fast. You just don't get it because you're seeing it against all these mm-hmm. other athletes. But you know, we get one person in the audience to like do a round of it to be like the average human, and then <laughs> you know, like, um, and it would also be cool just to eventually have more data in parkour to be like, cool, does your sprint actually affect your ability to Kong well? Does does your, like, massive output lachet affect anything? Like, does it actually start to affect your performance in competition? Because um, it, it would just... It's one of those things, like, I would wish was just part of the ecosystem of the, of the sport. And it is also something that can be worldwide fairly easily versus a competition where you have to be there. You know, combines, like, record yourself next to a measuring stick. Well, it's like, it's, I don't want to go too deep in this, but it, but <laughs> like a lot of people do the five climbers for time 
and mm. and the problem with like using that as like a measurement and like a world like setting a world record for it is that nobody does it on the same exact wall mm-hmm. like yeah. everybody's doing it on their own wall and you know maybe there's like elements to the wall that make it easier to do it on or harder to do it on so when if somebody sets a world record there it doesn't so like there needs to be a standardized equipment that these combine things are are happening on for it to be a true world record or yeah. a true you know uh, a true measure of ability sounds um, like a business opportunity it we does to, we need to get a beer brand involved to handle this for us <laughs> they need to they need to do one proctoring all of our uh, okay our world records so <laughs> so this brings us back to the point that you were bringing up, which was that you never thought that Tempest games or, or sorry, Tempest games never saw the light of day. And therefore you had the suspicion that maybe Kings of the Concrete wouldn't ever see the light of day. But now that it is coming out, um, like what are your thoughts on it actually coming out? Like now that it's, it actually has like my thoughts on Tempest and the whole like. Well, it's just like you, you were concerned about it not ever seeing the light mm, of day, and it's fun, mm. like it's it's been, what is that like? Okay, okay, so, ten months. Yeah, so it it should have came out earlier, uh, and I I don't know, I don't know what the story is. Um, it is kind of funny because like Gabe has said stuff where he likes to like withhold information, and I feel like that's not a good move. Like it's just better to be transparent and tell people what's up, but. There are reasons, I guess, to why it, uh, it was held for so long, um, whether it's a broadcast deal happening, whether it's still going to be put onto another platform eventually after this like Vimeo release. But whatever the case, um, it would have been cool if there was some transparency there because I think ultimately it's, it's going to hurt their sales. They're still like a huge brand, and so I'm sure they're so, still probably going to sell well enough um, to, to make something off of it, but they, you can't, I, I don't think you can say that they, they, they're going to do better than they would have if it came out like, you know, a couple months after happening, just like in a more like timely thing, because now you have, you know, a year goes, a lot happens in terms of the development of skills in a year. And so now it's basically like year old, uh, best tricks and stuff like that, right? It was still so. I still think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be the way it. The I've, I ho- I'm hoping that the edit turns out really cool because it has taken so such a long time. Um, my I, my thoughts on it coming out this taking this long. I think based on the context clues I've seen from them posting is that what. It's still going to come out on some type of video on demand service, but because of the time it's going to take for that to occur, Kings of the Concrete 2 is already going to happen. And so because because they didn't want to make people wait Mm -hmm. that like way way longer to then watch the first kings of the concrete which was like like, which came out you know which originally happened potentially two years prior or something like that Mm -hmm. they're like okay let's just release it ahead of time with this like for the community with this pay-per-view model Mm -hmm. on vimeo and then eventually it'll come out on video on man where wider audience can can uh can witness this but but to the point of like 
you know, being critical of them. It's like, yeah, we could be critical, but at the same time, they're, this is their first time doing this. So I also am pretty, um, uh, what's the word? I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty forgiving about it because they're learning through this process and they're still figuring it out. But also, um, I feel like they're, I forgot my point, David. I should have just cut you off. You should have. No, I had another point. I had another point, but it, it might come back to me. Yeah. So I'll cut you off <laughs> when right. I remember it. I got, I, I actually, because I, I feel like, um, uh, and again, you asked me, like, how do I feel about, you know, it being being released and stuff. And well, because so this is the, very, and, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to stop you, but mm -hmm. I am stopping you for a moment. <laughs> this is the, a lot. I've seen a lot of people critical in the comments of of them. And it's like, Oh, and then you're going to charge us for this too. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, people are really upset about it. And, and it's like, oh, this happened a year ago. And I get, I get that perspective, but also my, my point is like, this is their first time doing, they're trying really hard, but go ahead. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So, cause you, and anyways, you just, you just, um, mentioned it cause you mentioned the price and charging. And so the last point I wanted to make on the, the final release of this and it costing money, and I left a comment on this about, about it already um, on their post, which is that the fact that they're charging money for it increases the value for me. And, and what I mean by that is the fact that they're charging money should tell you that it's not going to be bad. It should tell you that they put work into it. And because they put work into it, they need a return on that work. If it was free, then you like you, you get you get what you pay for, right? So like if it was if they were putting it up for free, that could tell you that maybe it wasn't very good. The fact that there's a price tag on it makes me think, ooh, this could be really good. Yeah. And if and I think with Tempest also, it's either gonna come out and be this awesome thing that they're gonna charge for, or it's not gonna come out at all. And I appreciate that because I like to see like awesome stuff like this happen. You know, I want to see a huge construction that they welded and custom made and flew out all these athletes too. And that costs money. And it's awesome to be like a small part of that to help fund that, you know, even post um, versus like, you know, someone filmed this with their phone and, you know, released it on Instagram stories and it never, you know, of like just some local athletes. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. So, so to, I, I, I remembered my, my point that I forgot earlier was that you kind of, you mentioned Gabe's been like really discreet about talking about specifics and you're like, Oh, I think it's better to be transparent, but it's like, maybe he can't be transparent because sometimes contracts limit you from talking about what's going to happen or maybe things aren't finalized yet. And so he mm -hmm. doesn't want to over promise and then under deliver un, under deliver about what's, what's actually happening behind the scenes here. And so while transparency, I think is a good quality, it's also a, uh, it's not always possible when it comes to the legal or contractual obligations. I get what you're saying there. I do think that it, he could just be vague. <laughs> I think there could be like some temp, there could have been some Tempest vague messaging. Like they've been vague. They've hey, been, they've we been vague about things. <laughs> It's in vagabonds, but okay, no, no, but I mean, I mean like, um, because it did so much time went by that it seemed like, okay, it isn't coming out. They're just going to go all the way into Kings of the Concrete too. And we're never going to see this. Um, so I think just early on some messaging, like, Hey, the edits, cause I, I did see stories early on, 
like story posts where it'd be like showing like editing screens, you know, like like Adobe Premiere or whatever. Um, so I just think like more of that, just more. But between uh, last year's Kings of the Concrete and now, if there was just little check-ins, just little just little check-ins there, like hey. It's, it's being worked on. Hey, it's being worked on. Hey, we might be, we're not sure where this is going to take, but it's being worked on. We know you guys want to see it. Just a little bit of um, acknowledgement of, of audience and acknowledgement of, of customers. Um, again, they don't have to do it, but I think the fact that there's so That would go so a many, long way. Yeah, yeah, the fact that there's people that are like upset about it, it's like, I think that is also justifiable. Like, yes, you can be forgiving because you can understand because you're, um, you're also a little bit in that world of, of um, creating things and then having to hold on to them, right? But I don't know. A little, little bit of check-ins, I think, would have um, would have satisfied people. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I agree with what you're saying here. Um, and that's maybe something that they can learn from and take into their next... No, they're not going to listen to this. Well, yeah. I mean, the other, the other problem is that <laughs> once, they, once they start... Once you start talking about something, people get, like, their first impression of it and it creates that rhetoric that's really hard to change after the fact... And that's that's always really hard because, you know, like think about our our pay-per-view for SPL one, the amount of work and the amount of um, time and money that goes into doing that. It's it's huge, you know, but someone might only hear one little piece that it's going to be a pay-per-view, you know, and they're like, oh, what the hell? I did, you know, like, why this? And it's like they don't no one really realizes behind the scenes when they get that little bit of information like and then they make up their mind about it. And then that's the the rhetoric that starts going around the community and it's like, Oh man, this is going to be this. Like, do you know how hard it is to do what Tempest did? <laughs> you know, like, do you know how hard it is to do, to, to form that, to create a gym that's profitable enough to be able to run a competition like this and organize all those athletes to come out and film it and edit it and get a commentary crew. And, um, and so like maybe, if they, do you know how much bleachers cost? Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> and it's like so to do to do that, and for you to put out a little bit of information that someone might interpret the wrong way or look at it, and it almost is too much transparency, it makes it seem like it's too easy, and then they're like. What? Why would I pay for this? It's like you, you don't realize how little you know about how hard this was <laughs> to do. Um, so it's like you know. I do wish it came out earlier. It would have been awesome. I think it would have been really awesome if they if they had been able to release this on some sort of streaming service or something like that. And yeah, I, I think they still are going to do that. Yeah, it's just taking a long time because they had to edit it, and then once they were edit, they edited it. They had to pitch it, and then once they pitched it, they have to formulate a deal yeah. and then sign a contract and, go and edits then and edits yeah, and, and yeah. revisions or whatever. And so it, that's. I, it's just, it, I think the process is a lot longer than you might expect. And therefore it's taken them a while to then realize like, well, we're almost at Kings of the Concrete too. We need to put this out mm -hmm. for the people who are, have been waiting for it and anticipating it. Yeah. And you also don't want to like tell people it's going to be on a streaming service and then something falls out and it doesn't happen. And now people go, okay, well, was it not good enough to be on a streaming service or blah, blah, blah. So it's, you know, I do. I think the the biggest point that you have, Renee, is that it does suck because with with parkour, it's like some of the stuff that might have been groundbreaking then might be irrelevant now. It might be super commonplace now, and that's the downside of the the a huge bonus of parkour is that it's always changing. Like what happened five years ago probably is impressive today, um, but also sucks with like these timeline things. You know, it's like is it going to hold up? Um, mm -hmm. I think it will because. It will still be awesome to see. It's going to be awesome content to watch and um, to have, like, you know, the next generation look and be like, 
I want to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to uh, discourage people from, from buying because I do think they should buy. And I do know, like, reflecting in my head on what went down and some particular athletes, uh, what, what they did, there's... There's some really cool stuff. Um, so still holds, still holds. Yeah, holds I, strong. I think, I think it, I think it does. Um, just that, that is like the risk they run though, yeah. of of holding it for too long. Like if you imagine, imagine we hadn't really. Well, this would be a long time, but it's like, yeah, I was gonna say like imagine if we hadn't released uh, 2019 uh, NEPC yet. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> if you saw it live and then you know you're waiting now. I don't know. I think Max Antle's uh, double side pre would probably still. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my. Alrighty. So again, this weekend we got uh our first ever uh SPL European qualifier happening, same weekend, Kings of the Concrete. But uh people aren't gonna be able to see um the SPL qualifier this weekend. We're not doing a live stream, however. We do have, we're going to have multiple cameras and we will be releasing edits on YouTube after. So everyone can look forward to seeing that and uh, they're not going to have to wait 10 months for it. Yeah. You didn't need to have that part. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I just uh, yeah. need to, no, no. I'm just trying to give them a, prom, a promise. We should have been real. When's it coming out, Renee? But, 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 but. <laughs> we should have been like, oh, 10 months is an easy amount of time. Well, give yeah. us, it just helps us out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the minimum amount of time. Nine months later. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that they're releasing Kings of the Concrete so soon. <laughs> Gives us all this time. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the plan is to, uh, to, to get on, get on some edits and at least I know we'll have, um, we'll have Instagram clips and things of, uh, some of the big moments up, um, not immediately after, but, but pretty close, <laughs> pretty close to the finish. So, um, whatever goes down, whatever, um, some of the athletes already mentioned, get up to, uh, you will be able to see it shortly after the event, but there won't be a live stream. Boo. <laughs> yeah why not because it's expensive because it's hard to do <laughs> it's hard to do it's expensive we're traveling mm -hmm. we're um well we did just to cut you off there we did come hey, into, uh, we did have the uh uh we we did talk about it we did talk about doing a live stream and it's just that we don't want to do a single camera setup where it's just like panning around or or someone's phone or whatever just because it's not it's not good quality. Yeah, we want to we, we want to put something put it put something out there that's gonna look like halfway decent, so that people oh, can. Oh. I think we're just, now we're underselling. Low ex, lower your expectations. Lower your expectations for, for the video quality of the European qualifier. <laughs> I'm going antsy now. I want to get up. I want to okay. go to this gym. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, so just because you said that, I think we should just sit here for longer on this couch. <laughs> <laughs> the most fidgety person in the world here. All right. Is that pretty still this whole time? I've done good. I think I've moved around more than you have. Uh, I've been holding it in. <laughs> <laughs> I keep I keep trying to see Dylan, so I keep turning this way. You want to sink lower? Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, that is it for us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of STS, and uh, we'll. We'll, uh, we'll, you'll what? I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll see you uh, immediately following this weekend's event, events to give you a full breakdown of what went down.